Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then there was a humiliation of being sold, it wasn't even a high price, it was a cheap price as a slave. And then there was the pain on my feet from being shackled in prison. And I can't even describe to you those horrible years in the prison, what they were like. There was none of that. There was none of that at all. And that shows us the second responsibility of the offended. The second responsibility, the offended is responsible to not rub their nose in it. The offended has to think about the poor offender. He has to think about how weak and how bruised his conscience is. He's got to put himself in the shoes of the offender and imagine himself filled with all the guilt and the shame and the anguish over what's he's, what he's done, even if you don't see it on the surface. Now, the offended is responsible to hold up and to support the offender, as we see Joseph's doing. The offended Joseph has got to open for the offender the way to heaven and shut the way to hell. And and in other words, the offended has got to care for the poor soul of the offender to not see that offender sink into a state of despair. And that's what it means to live out the gospel. The gospel's good news. It's good news about being forgiven. So the, the, the person who's been hurt it, 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 it's more than just giving the, 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 the person who heard him, well, here's a gospel track, just read this and, and do what it says. But he is responsible to act out like God does when he forgives. He says in Psalm 103, verse 2, Psalm 103, verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. The offended person has got to remember, I've been forgiven by a lot by God. This person doesn't even know about what I've been forgiven for. See, he's responsible to care for the offender. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, are you kidding me? You know, I've been offended. I've been hurt. I'm supposed to care for the person who hurt me. That's exactly what Joseph's doing here in verse 5. When Joseph says, now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For here, Joseph, he's thinking about the two natural feelings that his brothers would feel. First, the grief, or what did we do? Oh, no, it's so terrible. And then that morphs, morphs into an anger. I'm so mad at myself for having done that. And so, Joseph, you see here, he's feeling their feelings, and he's giving them the same counsel that he has used so often in his, life, in his own life. Don't let your feelings run wild. Put the harness on your feelings. Bridle that horse. 
that, that, that grief and that anger is going to overwhelm you. And so, so we see Joseph here, he's doing this. Now, he's also thinking about their future in verse 6, and he tells them that, look, you know, it's, this is only a beginning here, verse 6. For these two years that the famine had been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. So he's thinking how I gotta, you got to let me take care of you. i got to take care of you. And just imagine Joseph then taking care of the very ones who robbed him of his youth, who took away his freedom as a boy and as a man, selling him into a slave, and, and he's saying to them in verse 7, no, God sent me before you to preserve a prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He's telling him that his mission in life is, is to take care of them. Boy, what a prince he is. But, he, he, but he's showing us the responsibility of, the, of when we're hurt that we have. Now, as we've seen already, the, the offender, the person who hurt the person, he also has two responsibilities. Confess clearly. Joseph was helping him when he says, you know, I'm, I'm helping them to say, say the words. <laughs> we sold our brother into Egypt. And repentance, forsake that hatred. Forsake that hatred. Now, we return to this first responsibility of the offended party, Joseph, which is that he must first and foremost forgive the offender, whether or not he has repented or not. This is the hardest thing that a person has can do, is to forgive the person who wronged them. It's so hard. It was hard for Joseph to do this. I mean, you might look at Joseph and says, well, it was easy for Joseph. He is just, you know, he's, he's, he's unusual. <laughs> like, you know, so he can do that. He didn't have a hard time of it. He did. Joseph had a hard time of it. You know, in, it always bothers me in, in Spanish and French, you know, someone says, I'm sorry, and you know, the, the, the response is, de nada, or de rien, you know, or, or, or in, you know, which means it's nothing, or as it is so commonly said in English today, no problem, you know. <laughs> well, what if a drunk driver hits a car and kills a man's wife? And the driver says, I'm sorry, is the man supposed to say, it's nothing, no problem. <laughs> I'll get another wife. <laughs> so when the brother said to Joseph, who, you know, essentially, we are sorry, was Joseph supposed to say, Denada, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing, you know. <laughs> it wasn't a denada, it was a detodo. It was everything. <laughs> and this is the struggle that Joseph has as to how he's supposed to forgive his brothers. How are you going to do that? And this is what's so great about the Bible here, is that it lets us see the struggle that Joseph was going through to forgive his brothers. And we can see this in verses 5 through 8, because there's a strong emphasis in these verses of one thought. There's a strong emphasis of one thought in verses 5 through 8. What does Joseph say three times in verses 5 through 8? That's it. It was in you that sent me. So here we have this emphasis three times, three times. God sent me. God sent me. Not you. God sent me. And when you see this three times, you can see a struggle in the soul of Joseph. You can see the struggle. You can see Joseph saying, oh, God, I'm not such the nice guy that everybody thinks I am. I'm not such a nice guy to not hold what they did against, against what they did to me against them. I can't find it in me to not hold a grudge against my brothers. I just can't forgive them. 
It's not a denada affair with me. I just can't forgive what they did to me. How am I going to do that? Oh, God, I need a basis for forgiving my brothers. This is the struggle of Joseph's soul. On what basis was Joseph going to forgive his brothers? And he found the basis in the truth that God sent me here. God sent me to Egypt, not the brothers. And that thought was like Joseph's key. When he got that, he got the key that unlocked his cell door to the prison of anger and bitterness. And Joseph spent a lot of time in the great prison of Pharaoh. And he knew what it was like to be a prisoner. He knew what it was like to want to get out of that prison. But Joseph also knew that there was a prison that was worse than that prison of the body, the prison of Pharaoh. There was a worse prison of the soul, the prison of anger and bitterness. And you and I, we may never be threatened with, with, with having to go to a state or, or Donovan Penitentiary down, uh, down there. But you and I are threatened with going to the, the, the prison of anger and bitterness, the penitentiary of anger and bitterness of the soul. That's why it's so important for us to see the key that releases from the penitentiary of anger and bitterness. And by the way, it wasn't just Joseph who was interested to see if he had the key to get out of the prison of anger and bitterness. It was the brother's. They were also very interested, and more than interested, to see if Joseph had a basis for not holding a, a grudge against them. I mean, they knew that if Joseph only said, well, I know it's wrong to hold a grudge against you guys, so I'll just forgive you. They knew that wasn't going to work. They, it, it, the brothers knew that if that's all that Joseph did, just to say, well, I want to be good, and it's not good to be a, hold a grudge, the brothers knew that's going to fall apart, and he wasn't going to be able to forgive them. So the brothers were also looking to see Did Joseph really have solid ground that he was going to stand on to forgive them? So this is the great overshadowing question for both Joseph and the brothers, which was, on what basis will Joseph fully forgive his brothers? And the simple answer to the question was, God sent Joseph to, to Egypt, not his brothers. This takes the focus totally off the brothers. It puts the focus totally on God. And whenever we've been wronged, we want to focus on the person who wronged us and, and tell us about it and relive it and anyway, and not focus on God. And we want to say, no, God had nothing to do with that. It was just that person and that person was wrong and I have every right to be mad at him and I'm going to be mad at him. And the idea of just forgiving that person is not what we want to do. And that's, that's why, that, that's why Joseph felt at this time, that's how he felt at this time. He felt angry at his brothers, what they'd done to him. He wanted to find relief. And, of course, the natural way is to vent your anger by, by, by retribution on them. But Joseph found his relief from all this steam by thinking of all the benefits that came as a result of him going down to Egypt. That brought him great relief. I mean, the primary benefit that Joseph saw is when he says in verse 5, God to send me before you to preserve life. And they said in verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity on the earth, save your lives. Great deliverance. Verse 8, it's not you that sent me, but God, he's made me a father to Pharaoh, a lord of all his health, ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. What's he doing here in verses 5, 7, and 8? What he's doing is he's thinking of all the great things. He says, Verse 5, you're saying, if I wasn't in Egypt, I couldn't preserve life. Is there anything greater than a person can accomplish 
on earth in this life than preserving life? So Joseph looks at his life and he says, I've been used by God. I've been used by God to be a preserver of life. What a great privilege. Sure, I could have lived a life of Riley floating around in some sailboat in the Caribbean. And, 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 but you know what? You only live life once on earth. And why not make your life one of purpose by saving the lives of others? And that could have never happened, he's thinking, unless I came into Egypt, was put into this place of power with all the land of Egypt as my, as my, as my garden, you know, and all the people of Egypt as my gardeners. So as Joseph thought about how he saved the lives by using the whole land of Egypt as his growing grounds and all the people to harvest all the, the, the food, he's just so happy when he came to Egypt. And then Joseph focuses on verse 7 with how because he was in Egypt, he was used of God to preserve a posterity for his family by what he calls a great deliverance. Now, he sees that since he's been in Egypt, he saved his family from destruction. And, And that wasn't just any family. You know, he knew about how important his family was. He knew, he understood that his family was going to bring the Messiah into the world, was going to bring the Savior of the world into the world, and his family, if his family was destroyed, no Messiah, no Savior of the world. So Joseph is just so happy to see how God had used him in Egypt to save his family by this great deliverance and thereby enable the Savior of the world to come. And then he goes on in, in verse 8, and he, in, in the, the next benefit, he says, it's been to Pharaoh to his house, Pharaoh's house, to all the land of Egypt. When Joseph said God made him to be a father to Pharaoh in all his house, and then by extension to all of Egypt, Joseph is not just talking about saving Pharaoh and his house from physical starvation. He's talking about saving them from eternal destruction. So by making Joseph a father to Pharaoh, that meant that Pharaoh was like a son to Joseph, sitting at Joseph's feet, and learning about the true God. And when Egypt saw Pharaoh learning about the true God from Joseph, then all of Pharaoh's house follows Pharaoh, and then by extension, all of Egypt does. What an amazing thing for a 30-year-old man to be brought into, and he brings brings all of Egypt, starting with Pharaoh, all the way down to the slaves, he brings them the true knowledge of God. What an evangelist. So Joseph, as he's marveling on all this, on how, God, how he has been a preserver of life, a savior of his family, a guide for all the Egyptians to the true God, he becomes so thankful. And, and how he was sent to Egypt. And as Joseph reflects on all that he, that, that he has learned through the difficult, through the school of hard knocks down there in Egypt, all of his experiences, he becomes incredibly thankful for having come into Egypt. And he looks back on all that he's accomplished, and he realizes, I couldn't have done any of it if I hadn't come into Egypt. And so seeing how God used him because he was in Egypt, he crosses over the greatest hurdle that any offended person can cross over when he says, if I had the power to go back and change my life, I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't change it. Can you say that? If I had the power to go back and change the fact that I was sold as a slave, I wouldn't change that. 
If I could rewrite my own personal history, I wouldn't rewrite it. I wouldn't write it differently. Being even the being sold as a slave and all that went about and all that. Now that's a great challenge to look back on our lives and the things that hurts us and that we've experienced at the hand of others and to ask ourselves the question, can we really say that? Can we say, I'm so happy with how it all turned out that if I could change this or that in my past, I would not. That's what he's saying. So when Joseph, as we see him here, going back and seeing all the good that came to him from coming into Egypt, and he's, he's like counting his blessings He's doing what it says in Psalm 103.2, which we already covered. Psalm 103.2, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, forget not. You know, Psalm 106, verse 7, Psalm 106, verse 7, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt, they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies. Deuteronomy 8.2, Deuteronomy 8.2, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. See, what are all these scriptures emphasizing? They're emphasizing how we're to remember, not forget all that the Lord has done for us, which means to take time like Joseph did. List them, count them. Like the hymn says, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. So what we see in these verses is Joseph using this method of counting his blessings to fight off the urge to become angry and bitter at his brothers. And that's the same is true of us. If we're going to avoid anger and bitterness, then we must be like Joseph, look beyond the tragic events of the life of our lives to see clearly the overruling hand of a loving and caring and guiding hand of God. It all comes back to Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God is the God of our lives. And his purpose in life, in our lives, is to make all things work together for good. His purpose in making all things to work together for good is to bring life to other people, which is what Joseph's talking about here. It's not easy. Wasn't easy for Joseph. That's the reason why Joseph repeats three times that God sent him down there, because you can see him. He's, he's also fighting off this anger and bitterness at his brothers. And there's one word, there's one word in verse eight that shows us how Joseph was fighting off this being angry and bitter at his brothers. What's the one word in verse eight? that shows Joseph fighting off being angry and bitter at his brothers. It's the word not. It's the word not. It was not you that sent me hither, but God. See, it shows he's fighting and he's saying, no, I'm not going to be bitter and angry at you. Was it you? This said, okay. Now we see in verse six that what's motivating Joseph. He says, for these two years, hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be neither earing nor har- harvest. So what he's saying in verse 6, it's clear to him. It's clear to us. It's clear to him. It's clear to us. Joseph is focusing on the famine of death that has already come for the last two years and is going to last for another five years. This is what is motivating Joseph. He's motivated as he's focused on the famine of death. He's got his eyes on the famine of death. 
and he finds his mission in life to be a preserver of life as he is focused on the famine of death. He's kept his eye on the famine of death, and he keeps, and that has kept him from feeling sorry for himself. And instead, he thinks about, what do I need to do to keep others from starving to death? You know, this reminds me of Ms. Lucille McKinnon. She was the wife of the state senator, Clint McKinnon. She's also the mother of Dan and Michael McKinnon from the McKinnon Broadcasting KUSI. She was saved in a Bible study. She gave her life to reaching the lost with the gospel. And right after she was saved, right after I was saved, right after I was saved, came to San Diego with, with no money, which was usual. Miss <laughs> McKinnon used to give me Christian books to read. And I'm not really much of a reader, but anyway. But I remember that in the books that she would give me, it was like every 20 pages, she would put a $5 bill. <laughs> and she told me, you cannot take this money until you've read these 20 pages. <laughs> so I read the books. <laughs> but Ms. McKinnon was also particularly burdened for children. And, and she, set up, she set up one of those phone answering machines, and she set up and ran a daily Bible devotional answering machine for kids. That they should call it, and then they get a message every day from the Bible. And then what she also did was every year she used to ask the parents of the kids if, if they could go to Forest Home Christian Camp, and, and, and she would pay their way, and she chartered a bus, and all, and it all went up there. Her and all the kids went to camp so that they could learn the Bible. Well, one year, she ended up in the hospital, and she could not get off her back. She couldn't bring the kids up there to camp. Now, at that point, she could have gotten really depressed and said, what's the use? I'll just give up. But she had a phone. She had a phone in the hospital. And so she started calling the kids from on her back in the hospital. And she started calling the parents and the bus company. And she got those kids off to camp that year without Miss McKinnon. Now, that all happened because Miss McKinnon did not focus on what she could not do because she was laid up in the hospital. She focused on what she could do to save lives, eternal lives. And I knew Miss McKinnon's husband, and he was something. He was an alcoholic, and let's just put it this way. He didn't appreciate her Bible activities. So this was not easy for Miss McKinnon. But Miss McKinnon was one of the happiest persons I've ever known, right? She was always so happy. She never focused on what she could not do, but she focused on what she could do to save lives. Well, that's Joseph. Joseph, he's not focusing on what he, he didn't ever focus his life on what he couldn't do, but he was focused on what he could do to save lives. And because of that, God made Joseph able to do more and more and more to save lives. Joseph focused on that, and that's how he overcame becoming angry and bitter with his brothers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life of Joseph and how much it teaches us. We thank about yourself. We thank you, Lord. We pray that that uh, what you've taken the trouble to write in your Bible, Lord, will not uh, be lost in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 